The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. We're in John 20, 1-18 this morning, and we're going to be looking at a gal called Mary uh, from Magdala, and a the title is Hope for Crazy Mary. And my desire as we look at the life of this gal who was really a troubled, messed up gal. And which should be hope because we're all troubled and messed up people. At least I am. Not Branda, but the rest of us. <laughs> and it, there, there's such encouragement looking at this gal's life. So... We're going to start by reading, if you want to follow along with me as I read. Um, and this is early Easter morning. It says early on the first day of the week while it was still dark. And so this gives you a little glimpse into Mary. While everybody else was still sleeping, she's up early before it's dawn. It says Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. She had come to bring spices to anoint Jesus' body and thinking the stone was going to be there, it was removed. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and it's John who's writing the gospel. And she says to them, she's out of brushes, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Notice, she says this a couple of times, she says they, whoever they is, Okay. And we don't know where they put him. So Peter and John started for the tomb. And they're both running. But the other disciple outran Peter. And again, it's John writing it. So he's maybe a little pride here that he was faster than Peter. Um, He gets to the tomb first. He bends over. And he looked in at the strips of linen lying there. But he did not go in. Well, you know, Simon Peter, he just comes right along and goes straight into the tomb and he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head and the cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen, kind of right where Jesus' body had been. So then John, who had reached the tomb first, he was kind of proud about that, um, he also went inside and notice this, he saw and believed though they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They, they still didn't get it. Even though Jesus had told them many times that he was to die and rise from the dead, they didn't get it. And yet they saw and they believed that it had happened. And then does, notice it says, then, then Peter and John went back to where they were staying. But Mary, this is the gal we're focusing on, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying, I think sobbing. So Peter and John, they go back to have breakfast. But, but Mary, she, she can't leave. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And, and if you're paying, paying attention here, notice... Peter and John had already looked in the tomb, right? No angels. This is, this, is, this is cool. 
So this crazy Mary that we're going to look at, the angels appear to, but they don't appear to Peter and John. And they ask her, woman, why are you crying? That's a rhetorical question. They knew she was sad. They, notice it's that word they again. They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And at this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize it was Jesus. And I think it's because she was so distraught. I mean, her eyes are puffy. She's sobbing and she's not expecting to see Jesus. She's assumed that they have taken away Jesus. And so she's assuming that it's the gardener. Jesus asks her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if it's you who has carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And then Jesus just simply says to her, Mary, Mary. Um, and she turned towards him as she heard his voice and she cries out in, in her heart language, Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, quit clinging to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers, Peter, John, the disciples, and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. What is it that makes Mary so crazy about Jesus? Uh, you know, this, it didn't start here. Just to, Mary has been crazy about Jesus for a significant part of her life. And in, in Luke 8, 1 through 3, it says, while Jesus was traveling about proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and the disciples with him, there were also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, Johanna, Susanna, and others, these women were helping to support Jesus and his disciples out of their means. And so, so Mary, for Jesus' ministry, has been following him around and supporting him so that he can preach and teach to the crowds. And then as Jesus is brought you know, before a mock trial with the religious leaders and Pilate, and he's put on the cross, we see Mary there again. She's got to be with Jesus Listen to this in Luke 23. As Jesus is on the cross, he calls out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. And the centurion, the soldier, saw this. He said, surely this was a righteous man. And all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place. And they beat their breasts and they went home. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him, Mary, Magdalene, stood at a distance watching these things. And then a man named Joseph, a member of the council, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body and he took it down and he wrapped it in a cloth and he placed it in a tomb 
And it says, the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it and went home and prepared spices. And so, Mary, what is it that makes this gal so crazy about Jesus? Supporting him during his life and, and, and with him at the cross and following him to the tomb and now first thing in the morning when, when others are still sleeping like I was this morning when my wife got up early you know to come and practice music still sleeping that's, but not Mary <laughs> um, when Peter and John went back to eat breakfast you know checked out the tomb and went back to eat there's Mary outside the tomb what is it about Mary that makes her so crazy about Jesus you know, it's interesting. In 1 Corinthians 15, as Paul relates the story of Jesus' death and resurrection, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said that Jesus, after he had died and was buried, according to the scriptures, he was raised from the dead and he first appeared to, anybody know what it says? Peter. Even though in Mark 16 it says that Mary was the first one that Jesus appeared to. It's like in the middle of this this male-dominated world, there's this crazy lady that just is crazy about Jesus. Does that describe us? What was it about Mary? So we're going to talk about Mary a sec. And imagine for a moment what made her so crazy about Jesus. Mary was from Magdala. It was on the west coast of the Sea of Galilee between Capernaum and Tiberias. It was a thriving seaport, a trading center, and as a result, people from Magdala were were pretty wealthy. So Mary from Magdala was called Mary Magdalene, Mary from Magdala. Same way Jesus was from Nazareth and he was called Nazarene. I am from Manchester, so I'm called the Manchesterine. Okay. (laughs) So we don't know much about Mary's upbringing, but we know that she was from wealth because she was hanging out with the ladies that were supporting Jesus during his ministry. So she had money. But we can also guess that something was wrong because twice in the scriptures it makes a point of saying Mary Magdalene from whom seven demons were cast out. The number seven in the the New Testament is kind of like this number of completeness. And so it's, it's almost like saying... Susanna, Johanna, these other ladies, they were, they were delivered from demons, they were healed from diseases, but Mary, seven demons. Uh, we don't know why. It could have been that, um, if you remember Judas, who betrayed Jesus, it was because of his greed. He used to steal money out of the money bag. And because of his greed, it says Satan entered him and led him to betray Jesus. Was it the greed of her family that made them wealthy, and yet in the process they sold their soul to the devil? 
Was it becomes some kind of horrible abuse that had happened to Mary? Um, was it bitterness that took root in her heart? I mean, I think all of us in different ways knows ways that that something can take a hold of us and we can become enslaved by something. And And Mary was that way. She was the woman who had seven demons, completely controlled by these demons, dominated by them. Whatever it was, I think Mary grew up and was known as Crazy Mary. <laughs> she was known as the the kind of the man, kind of like the guy called Legion in the Gospels that was so dominated by demons that uh, he lived in the in the the graveyard. He was he ran around naked. He was like crazy, confused, uh, acted like a madman. I think that's Mary, and I think that's why the Bible makes it so clear. Seven demons. She was this woman who was just totally tormented and dominated. Um, she was the butt of everyone's jokes. We can be pretty sick in our humor, can't we? She was the butt of everyone's jokes. She was the, the one crazy Mary that everybody kind of looked askance at or looked away from when she walked by. She was the topic of everyone's gossip. <laughs> See crazy Mary? She was the focus of everyone's sick fun. She was the one that nobody ever invited to a party. I mean, who wanted to be seen with crazy Mary, right? The gal dominated by demons. Dominated by demons, she was miserable. She had no hope in the world. She had no friends. Her life was a living torment at the mercy of the demons who ruled her ruthlessly. And she figured that she was destined to live out her life and die crazy Mary. Unkempt, unclean, unsightly, living like an animal, a slave to the evil that ruled her, clouded thinking, confused mind. That's Mary from Magdala. Um, And then she heard about Jesus, the Nazarene. It almost seemed like it was too good to be true. The man who healed lepers who gave sight to the blind, the man who ate in the home of tax collectors and drove out demons. Yeah, drove out demons. And she heard the story of Legion and and yet it didn't seem possible. The news had to be too good to be true. I mean, actual religion with power, that wasn't the religious leaders that she knew. And so hope welled up within her, but surely it was a foolish hope. I mean, maybe hope for Susanna and Johanna, but not for her, Mary, dominated by seven demons. Maybe for others, but not her. But then she thought, what did she have to lose? Respect? She didn't have any. Friends? None. Hope? None. And then... Crazy Mary heard that Jesus was going to pass through Magdala on his way from Capernaum to Tiberias. Her mind was in a state of confusion. The demons didn't want to let her go, tried to convince her that it was a waste of time and would merely plunge her into greater hopelessness. Maybe some of you have been there. 
the fear to even hope that Jesus could have the power to heal or deliver you because it'll just lead to greater hopelessness. Jesus wouldn't have time for her. She would be a waste of his time. He'd be too busy for her. But but in an act of desperation, Mary impulsively ran to the place where she heard Jesus would be passing by and pushed her way to the front of the crowd. The crowd parted because, I mean, nobody wanted to be touched by crazy Mary. And Jesus arrived at the spot where crazy Mary waited the demons tormenting her, tugging at her to flee, to have nothing to do with this man. But then Jesus stopped as she trembled, tormented. He stooped down and with a look of compassion and love like she'd never experienced before, her life just rejection, abuse, abandonment. And he simply said, be free. And she was free. Be free. Crazy Mary was free. Her mind was cleared. Her confusion was was gone. Her her bondage she was liberated from. She was free. Can you she was free? Crazy Mary was no longer crazy. Or was she? Or was she? You know, she's now no longer dominated by seven demons. She's been delivered, set free by Jesus. But I think she's still crazy as we looked at the scripture earlier. She's still crazy, not in the same way. Not crazy in mind, confused and tormented, but but crazy about Jesus. So Mary goes about from being crazy, dominated by demons, to crazy, just dominated by the love of this man who has set her free. She was tormented, but now her mind is at peace. She was confused. Now she has clarity of thinking. She was unloved and rejected and abandoned and shunned, abused. Now she's loved, accepted, welcomed, embraced by Jesus. Isn't that something to be crazy about? (laughs) It's no wonder that she followed Jesus, through his life, that she was had to be with him as he died. She, she followed Joseph to the tomb. She had to know where he was buried. No wonder that she was there before dawn on Easter morning. Her one last act of love for this one who had given himself to free her. And yet I wonder if the real reason she was there that Easter morning was almost an act of desperation. It was one last hope beyond hope that maybe his body wouldn't be there. And yet I think as she's standing at the tomb and she's she's saying, they have taken it. It's almost like she's wondering if the demons who have dominated and controlled her and yet when Jesus set her free that now he's dead, that they can come back and they can dominate her again like a parable that Jesus told. (laughs) That her hope is over, that, 
that her hope died on the cross when Jesus died on the cross. And out of desperation, she's there just hoping beyond hope that maybe there's still hope and it hasn't died with Jesus on the cross. She can't go back. She can't go back to that torment, that confusion, that clouded thinking. But she knows that he alone is the had the power to deliver her and now he's dead. And then she hears the gardener, the man she thought was the gardener, just say, Mary. It's got to be one of the, for her, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking it'd be like me having a horrible nightmare and it's just tormenting me and I'm in my mind I'm just I'm I'm experiencing and I'm I'm living through this this horrible nightmare and then in the recesses of my mind I hear Dave Dave and I and I I hear the voice and it's my wife and it brings me to my senses and I realize that that the nightmare it's not real it's over and Mary hears Jesus just say Mary, can can we imagine? I mean, the hope that just welled up within her again. <laughs> it's him. I know that voice. I know that love. He's a he's alive. Unbelievable hope. The power that delivered me from demons has delivered him from death, and my hope is secure. They can't come and get me. It's like I said. It's almost like she was saying when she was saying they have taken him. They. It's almost like she was thinking. Did the demon somehow have the power to keep him dead? And But now she knows it's true. He's alive. His power has broken the power of death. And her hope is secure. That's, that's the hope of the resurrection. There are three things I'd like us just to remember from Mary's story. Because Mary's hope is our hope. And I think what the Bible is saying is if if Mary could hope and find hope in Jesus, then any of us can. Mary, who was dominated by seven demons, her, her life totally under the control of those demons, that it doesn't matter what we're controlled by, what dominates us, what has been wreaking havoc in our lives, we too can find hope in Jesus. Three things that I love about this passage. Number one is that Jesus loves crazy people. That's good news for you all because you're, (laughs) and for me, and for you. (laughs) Jesus loves crazy, messed up people. You know, I think the bookends of Jesus' life are beautiful. The birth narrative the geneal- the record of Jesus' birth in Matthew, it lists four, that's three, four. <laughs> it lists four ladies in that genealogy. Bathsheba, Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. It's like God, as Jesus was born into the world, just wanted us to know clearly, this is why my son came. This is who he loves. Bathsheba, an adulteress, Tamar, 
and Rahab, prostitutes, Ruth, a Moabite, an enemy of Israel. That's who I love and that's why I came. And then as Jesus is about ready to leave earth, the one that he appears to first is crazy Mary. It's not Peter. It's not the disciple. It's this crazy woman who was dominated by demons. Jesus responds says, this is who I love. This is why I died. This is why I rose. Jesus loves crazy people. If you're here this morning and you're feeling unloved, alone, uh, hopeless, good news. Jesus is for you. The second thing is, not only does Jesus love crazy people, but Jesus lives as a guarantee of hope to crazy people. See, that's the beauty of this is as Mary was there, I think in desperation and in panic, thinking, are these demons going to come back? Is my life going to become tormented all over again? Jesus stands before and says, Mary, and that hope is revived because his life guarantees her hope. If he remained dead, there'd be, it'd been a nice run, but it's over. But his life, his power over death, guarantees to Mary and guarantees to us life and hope and freedom. The third thing is, you know, the only reasonable response to a God like this that loves us as we are and went to the cross and rose from the dead to guarantee us hope and life and forgiveness, the only reasonable response is to be like a Mary, to be crazy about him. Two questions just to end. Number one, if you're here this morning and, and you know that Jesus loves you, Jesus lives for you, he died for you, he rose for you, have we forgotten how crazy that is? Yeah. And I'm hoping that this Easter time could be a time for us to just ask God, God, open my eyes to see Jesus again. His incredible love, his incredible death, his incredible resurrection life that guarantees me forgiveness and hope and life and peace. And if you're here this morning and you don't have that hope and life and peace, Jesus is for you. Just We need to pray, God, open our eyes to see Jesus again. There's some of you that might be here this morning and... It could be that people or the church or Christianity has kept you from seeing Jesus. Um, We're an imperfect people. But you know, it's not about any of those things. It's about Jesus. Seeing Jesus. Not seeing the imperfections around us and all the mistakes and all the... It's just seeing Jesus. And I think... That's where Mary is such a beautiful picture because, you know, she was, she was left out of the 1 Corinthians passage. It was Jesus appeared to Peter. Did that bother Mary? 
I don't think so. Because Mary just was in love with Jesus. Mary didn't care what people thought about her or said about her. Mary just cared about Jesus. Because Jesus was her life, her hope, her peace, her all. As we close, I'd like, I just encourage each one of us to to leave here asking Jesus, open my eyes to see you. What an incredible thing if Kitsap County and beyond would have a bunch of people leaving here crazy about Jesus, huh? He's pretty amazing. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for just this account. In the world we live in, I think we would have had Jesus appear to the religious leaders or the wealthy people or the governor. Jesus, you just love us just as we are. Thank you that you love us messed up and imperfect as we are and that you died for us, that you live for us, that you're crazy about us. Oh, Jesus, open our eyes to see how incredible your love is for us. Amen.